right, if you would, take your Bible tonight. Turn with me to several places. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter number 12 and put a finger there. And then when you have a finger in Exodus chapter 12, turn over to Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and put another finger there. And then when you've got two fingers, try to take that other hand and turn back to Exodus 21. And I don't know, put your nose there or something or another. And when I read these scripture texts, you're going to wonder if I have lost my mind. And I don't think I have, but uh, I believe this is what the Lord wants for us tonight. Exodus chapter number 12, let's begin reading verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take unto them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall you make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. They shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Look at verse number 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night. will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now over in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, if you have your finger there, let's look at what the Lord has to say in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And verse number 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou settest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Then back in Exodus chapter number 21, Exodus chapter number 21 and verse number 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful privilege to be in church tonight. Thank you for this good place, for what you have done here through all these years. But Lord, tonight, we're thankful for how you've moved in the past. But we need you to move in our presence again this evening. And I pray that you would help us to have attentive ears and receptive hearts to the word of God this evening. Speak to us and help us. We'll give you all the thanks, the praise, the honor, and glory for every good thing that's accomplished. For we ask in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. As we consider these passages of scripture this evening, 
They all, I don't know whether you caught it or not, but each of one of them have something in common. There is a common thread which binds these three diverse passages of Scripture together. Every one of these passages of Scripture refers, makes reference to a house. But more than just a reference to a house, every one of them speak of a house which was marked in a certain way. Every one of them talks about something about the doorpost of the house that is mentioned. And as we study them out for a few minutes this evening, we'll discover that every one of these doorposts of these three different houses in three different places of Scripture, every one of them had a distinct and unique marking upon the doorpost. And I want us to think for just a few minutes, I want to preach to you for just a little while on this thought, dwelling in a marked house. Dwelling in a marked house. I, I noticed several things about these. By the way, it's always good to live in a marked house. We've traveled all the way from California, all the way here uh, to the East Coast and you wouldn't believe it, but we've been in big churches, little churches, country churches, city churches, fancy churches, plain churches, live churches, yes, maybe even a dead church or two. We've been in every kind of church you can imagine. And guess what? Every one of them, thankfully, I've been able to find with this little thing called GPS. You know why? Because somebody took the time to note the marking of that house, of that house of God, what its street number was, what street it was located on, what road it was located on, what its physical address was, and programmed that into a computer. And when I take my phone and I type in the address, guess what? A map comes up and tells me how to find where I'm going to. It's important to have a marked dwelling. Now I want you to notice three things about these places that are marked. First of all, I'm interested in them because they are number one, places of divine mention. God considered each of these places important enough to be recorded on the sacred pages of His Word. Now, I often tell our students at the Bible College, I often tell them and remind them that nothing is in the Bible by accident. Nothing is in there by happenstance. And by the way, nothing is in there because God looked at the Bible and said, you know, I need to add some more words so it'll be a thicker and more impressive book. So let me just add some more stuff. It's not really important. It doesn't mean anything. That's the way college students write papers. It's supposed to be five pages long. They write two pages and then they think, I've said everything I know and all. I'm just going to have to add some words to this to make it come up to the limit that it's supposed to be. God is not like that. Every word of God is pure. And every word is essential and important. And if God thought it was important enough to mark it down and put it in His book, it ought to be important of us, uh, enough for us to take notice of it. I want you to notice these three places very quickly. One was the house of a foreigner in a strange land. Exodus chapter number 12, we read it, verses 1 through 7, and then uh, down verses 12 and 13. Remember, these were, the Egypt, these were the Israelites who were now living in Egypt. 
Their descendants had, uh, their, uh, descendants had come down with uh, Jacob uh, and Joseph into Egypt. And, and of course, they had begun to live there. They had begun to grow up there. They had begun to multiply. And though Pharaoh had tried to exterminate them, by the way, the devil never changes his tactics. That's still what he's been trying to do in America for these past 20 plus 30 years with this thing of abortion. The devil is trying to kill off the next generation so they cannot serve God. That's exactly what Pharaoh was doing in his day. He said, every baby boy that's born, drown them in the river. Get rid of them. The devil doesn't like young people. Why? Because young people may grow up to serve God. He wants to do away with them. He wants to destroy them. They're living in a strange land. They're governed by strange laws. Uh, they're surrounded by people who speak a strange language. In fact, their lives are overseen by a strange Lord. Oh, I tell you what, I feel like that myself sometimes. Living in this life, I feel like I'm living in a strange land. For this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Not only that, I'm surrounded by strange uh, people. They are governed by strange laws. And by the way, this world is overseen by a strange Lord. It's not my Lord who's the prince and the power of the air. It's not my Lord who's the God of this world. My God is in heaven. That's the Lord I serve. Here are these people, this house of a foreigner, Living in a strange land, we read in our text how the announcement had come that the death angel was coming. Judgment was coming. It was impending. It was coming very soon. And the house of the foreigner in a strange land needed to be marked because the man who lived there was looking to escape death. He desperately wanted to experience deliverance. So we have the house of a foreigner in a strange land. Very quickly, let me point out the second house. The second house... We read about in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, that was the house of a father who was living under a sovereign law. You know the story, how that the Israelites had then been brought out of Egypt. They, they had come across the wilderness. They came right up to the land of Kadesh Barnea. But because of their rebellion, they would not enter in. And of course, they were doomed to wander for 40 years in the wilderness till all that generation died off. God said, I'm interested in raising up another generation. And to that next generation, I'll show my blessing. I'll give them what the first generation could have had if they just trusted God. Wonder how many of us are going to get to heaven. And we're going to say, I wish I had what that generation had. And God will say, you could have if you would have just trusted me and obeyed me. And so uh, they're preparing now. The book of Deuteronomy introduces us to Moses' final words to them. Before this new generation prepares to enter into the land, at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, Moses will die and be buried on Mount Pisgah. Then under Joshua, God will lead this new generation into the land and they'll experience victory and wonderful things. But as Moses begins to prepare them for this entrance into the land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, he reminds them, he says, when you get in that land, when you begin to enjoy the blessings, when you begin to benefit from all that I have prepared for you, he said, I want you to do something. I want you to take the word of God. And I want you to put it on the doorpost of your house. I want you to, to hang it up because if you're not careful, you're going to forget how you got here. If you're not careful, you're going to forget the blessings that you enjoy 
are not blessings that you have earned by your merit, but they are blessings rather that have been dispensed by my grace. Oh, can I say, is that not the story of our life? So often we think and we forget that the blessings we enjoy are not blessings we have earned by our merit. For all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But the blessings you and I enjoy are blessings that are nothing more than a dispensing of God's grace in our life to us. So we have the house of a foreigner in a strange land. We have the house of a father under a sovereign law. And then we have the house of the faithful master who had won his servant's love. In Exodus chapter 21, that's one of those interesting passages. And there's a lot of things I don't understand. By the way, I've been saved nearly 50 years. And I'll tell you, I don't understand everything about the Bible. In fact, I don't understand everything in the Bible. In fact, I've discovered the more I learn, the less I know. I mean, when I was 18 and and God called me to preach, I knew everything about the Bible. Now, after preaching it for 35 years, sometimes I think I know very little about the Bible. By the way, just because you don't understand something, just because you don't know it all, doesn't mean you don't take what you do know and enjoy it. I mean, I don't understand how black cow can eat green grass, give white milk, and make yellow butter. But you think I'm going to say, because I don't understand how all that works, I'm not going to have any butter on my biscuit. You are out of your mind. I'm going to take that big slab of yellow butter. I'm going to smear it all over the top of that biscuit. In fact, I might even put some more on there, and then I'd top it up with jelly or jam or something other. And I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm going to say, I don't understand how it all works. I haven't got it all figured out. I don't know the, the chemistry and the biology and everything else about that black cow eating green grass, giving white milk, and making yellow butter. But it sure does taste good, so I'm going to enjoy what I can experience and enjoy of that whole circumstance. Can I tell you, I don't know everything about this book. But that's not going to stop me from taking the parts I do understand, the parts I do enjoy, the parts I have tasted that are so good. That's not going to stop me from enjoying them. I'm just going to take what I can enjoy and enjoy it to its fullest. This is an interesting passage of Scripture because it talks about a man who sold as a servant, a Hebrew who sold as a servant. And then, of course, you know the year of Jubilee would come every 50 years. And then every seventh year, there was a year of emancipation after they'd served for six years. In the seventh year, they were supposed to set, be set free. In the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, the seventh, the seventh seven of years, then all the property that had been sold, that had been taken, was all transferred back to the tribe of its original owner, and they started all over again. I think God was trying to explain to his people that the things of this life are very transitory. They are not permanent. Can I tell you, this world is not our permanent home. This world is not what we're working for, not what we're living for. We're living for something beyond this world that is permanent. The eternal things. But every seventh year, they had to, a, a man had been sold as a servant. And the seventh year came, it was time for him to be emancipated, to be set free. But you know, there's something interesting about this servant. In verse 5 of chapter 21, the Bible says it this way. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, I will not go out free. Can you imagine that? 
I mean, this guy has been here. He has been in bondage. He has been a servant. He has labored for this master for six years. And all of a sudden, the calendar flips over. The master comes to him and says, now, now, sir, I know you've been my servant. I know I bought you. You were in bondage. I, I purchased you because you needed money and you paid off that debt. But now you're in bondage to me and you've served me for six years. But I've got good news for you. Today is the day that marks the beginning of the seventh year. And today I give you your emancipation papers. You can go free. You're free to leave. You can go wherever you want. You can live wherever you want. You can work at whatever employment you want. You are now free, sir. And that servant looks around. And he says, you know, it's pretty good here. I mean, I never have to worry about being hungry. I never have to worry about going naked. I never have to worry about being homeless. I don't understand everything my master tells me to do, and I don't understand what his plan is. But you know, he's always kind. He's always gracious. He always meets all of my needs. You know, I think I really have it pretty good here. In fact, if you ask me to explain my feelings, all I can say is, I, I love my master. And I don't want to go out. You see, this was the home of a, of a, of a master who, uh, who, who had won his servant's love. So we have these three homes singled out for mention by the Lord. The house of a foreigner in a strange land. The house of a father under a sovereign law. In the house of a faithful master who had won his servant's love. Very quickly, let me give you thought number two. Not only were there places of divine mention, they were places with distinct markings. Every one of these houses had a, had a distinct marking on its doorpost that's mentioned in our scripture text this evening. The house of the foreigner in Exodus chapter number 12, that doorpost was marked by the stain of blood. I don't have time to go into all the details. You know the story, how that they were to take that lamb. They were to kill it. They were to catch its blood in a basin. They were to take some hyssop. They were applied to the doorpost. And the Bible says, and over the lintel. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about that for a long time tonight. Because if you study it out, Hebrew history tells us, Hebrew tradition tells us that that marking on the doorpost was made in the shape of the letter, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. You know what that is? That shape is basically the equivalent of our little letter T. Now think about that. They're going to mark these doorposts with blood. And on this side, they mark it like that. And on this side, they mark it like that. And then up here, they mark it like that. Oh, I want to tell you in Exodus chapter number 12, God's already pointing ahead saying one day there will be one who will come who will be the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. He's not dying just for a house, not just for a man. He's dying for whosoever will. And I'm going to show you the picture. It's going to be on a cross, on a hill between two thieves who are on crosses. Man, what a fabulous thing. God's pointing ahead in time. You see, it's marked by the stain of blood. That stain of that blood says a sacrifice has been offered. An application has been made. It was a mark of anticipation. Judgment was coming. But because of the blood, I'm not fearing judgment. Because what is judgment for those who are not under the blood is really emancipation and deliverance for those who are under the blood. We're going to be set free. The house of the foreigners marked by a stain of blood. The house of the father was marked by selections from the book. 
Is that not what God said? He said, thou shalt, verse number nine of Deuteronomy chapter number six, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. If you ever go door knocking or if you ever happen to be out in a Jewish community, a community that's populated with a lot of Orthodox Jews, you'll find that they still do this practice even to this day. On their doorposts, they, they have a little medusa, I believe they call it, and in there is a portion of the scripture that's attached to their doorpost. And a lot of times when they come out or when they go in, they'll touch their, their hand to that. and They'll touch it to their lips. In other words, they're, they're giving affection to the word of God. You see, this father said this. He said, when I do this, when I attach these scriptures to my doorpost, everybody that passes by is going to be able to see the scriptures have been received. I've heard what God has to say. But more importantly than just hearing what God has to say, I have now enacted His commandments in my life. Not only have I heard what God has to say, but I'm doing what God said to do. So there's a house of the foreigner marked by a stain of blood. There's a house of a father marked by selections from the book. And then there's a house of this faithful master. This section I love so much in, in, in Exodus chapter number 21. And, and in this passage of Exodus 21, notice verse number 6. Then the master shall bring him to the judges. Remember he said, I love my master. I will not go out free. The master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him unto the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl and he shall serve him forever. The house of the faithful master that doorpost was going to be damaged. What they were going to do is they were going to take that servant who said, I love my master and I don't want to go out. They're going to take him to the doorpost. They're going to pull his ear out. And they're going to put it up against that doorpost. And they're going to bore a hole through his ear. You know what's going to happen when that all comes out the back of that ear? It's going to scar that doorpost. It's going to leave a mark there. You know what that said? That said that that master had expended some treasure. There was a day when he purchased that servant. He had bought him for some reason. But for that servant, a truth had been experienced. He said, it's good here. Even though I'm just a servant, I don't want to go anywhere else. I like it here. Now, very quickly, let me give you the closing thought. They were places of divine mention. They were places with distinct markings. But each one of them were places with a definite message. You say, what was the message? Well, when people passed by, when people walked down the street, they'd look up and they'd see that house and they'd see those doorposts. And every one of those houses that had been specifically, distinctively marked told a testimony to everybody that passed by. The house of the foreigner very simply said, I'm saved by the blood. I'm not trusting anything else. I'm not depending on my works. I'm not depending on my relations. I'm not depending on who I am or what I have done. The only thing that gives me hope, the only thing that gives me peace, the only thing that gives me assurance, the only thing that gives me confidence is that there was a lamb whose blood was shed and that blood has been applied and I'm trusting in the blood of the lamb, nothing more, nothing less, that alone will suffice. 
It's very interesting. In fact, when you go to Exodus chapter number 12, let me just point this out very quickly as we're passing by Exodus chapter number 12. It's interesting to note that in verse number three, he calls it a lamb. He said, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. In verse number four, he changes the phrasing of it. He said at the end of that verse, according to his eating, shall you make your count for the lamb. In verse number three, it was just a lamb. Verse number four, it's the lamb. But look at verse number five. He said, your lamb. Can I tell you, it's important to know that there is a lamb that can be slain. There is a lamb that will provide sufficient blood to rescue you from the judgment that is to come. It's great to know that there is the lamb. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But the important question is, is he your lamb? It's not just enough to know that there is a lamb and that he is the lamb. He must be your lamb. You must make a personal application of the finished work of Christ to your life. By faith, if you want to be saved. The house of the foreigner said to everyone that passed by, I'm saved by the blood. The house of the father. Remember, remember what it said? Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And by the way, it's, it's very interesting how God phrases it. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. I want you to notice these words. I'm going to read them to you. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You might want to write them in your Bible. Verse number 7 and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Verse number eight, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. Verse number nine, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house. Over and over, God said, thou shalt. The house of this father, uh, when you walked by and you saw that he had attached the word of God to the doorpost on the right and on the left, so that it was there to be seen, whoever came out, whoever went in, was reminded that this house is a house that is submitted to the book. We're yielded to the word of God. Whatever God says, that's what we're going to do in our life. That was the testimony from that house. By the way, ought that not to be the testimony of every one of our lives who have been saved by the blood of the Lamb? Ought not the next marking that ought to mark our lives is the truth that we truly are submitted to the commandments of this book? I mean, if God says you need to be baptized, then we're going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. If God says you ought to be a member of a church, we're going to join up with a church and begin to serve God through that church. If God says we ought to tithe, then we're going to be tithers. If God says we ought to be a witness, then we're going to go out and knock on doors. We're going to pass out gospel tracts. Whatever God says do, that's what we're going to do. Why? Because we want our life to testify I'm submitted to the Word of God. I'm a yielded Believer, I follow God and His commandments. Find the way, by the way, not only was there the house of the foreigner, which testified, I'm saved by the blood. There's the house of the Father that testified, I'm submitted to the book. But could I say this? There's the house of the faithful master. And as you pass that house, oh, it was a mark that was somewhat unsightly. I mean, the, the doorpost had been scarred by the marking of that all that came through the ear of that servant who said, I love my master and I will not go free. And everybody who passed by and looked at that, they saw very clearly proclaimed there in the house of that faithful master a message. Not the message of the master of the house, but rather the message of the servant and here's what he said, I'm satisfied with the one to whom I belong. 
Can I tell you tonight, I'm happy in the service of the King. I am happy, oh, so happy. People say, oh, brother, I feel sorry for you. You've got to go on tour, and you're going to be gone from home for over two months, and you're going to drive eighteen to 20,000 miles, and you're going to sleep in all kinds of beds, and you're going to pack your suitcase every morning and unpack it every evening, and you're going to be here and there, and you're just in church after church. And by the way, you hear those same five guys sing those same 10 songs over and over and over and over and over and over. I feel sorry for you. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm having the time of my life. You say, why? Because I'm serving God. What better could you do with your life than serve God? Can I say this? I'm happy with the one to whom I belong. I want to say with that servant, I will not go out. I love my master. He's a good master. Can I tell you, the devil is a bad master and he'll make you have a miserable life. But I want to tell you, if you'll just surrender and come to Jesus and let him be your master, let him be your Lord, you can have an absolutely wonderful life and people will try to bribe you and lure you away with everything else and you just shake your head and say, I am satisfied with the one to whom I belong. I will not go out. Let me ask you this question. This week as other people pass by your life, as they pass by my life at work, at school, at the grocery store, at the gas station, what are they going to see marked on the door of my house? First of all, can they tell very clearly, distinctly, my house says here lives one who's saved by the blood. I'm not trusting my church membership. I'm not trusting my good works. I'm not trusting my family heritage. I'm simply trusting Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross of Calvary. Does my life say that? It ought to say that. Number two, does my life say, here lives one who is submitted to the book. Whatever God says, that's what I'm going to try to do in my life. No matter whether it be simple or whether it be profound, whether it be easy or whether it be hard, whether anybody else does it or not, I want my house to say he submitted to the book. There's a Christian who lives by what God says. And by the way, when people pass by my house, I want them to look and say, there's one who's satisfied with the master to whom he belongs. I don't want to murmur and complain and make people think that being a Christian is a hard thing and that God is a hard taskmaster. Oh, I want to tell you, He's a good master. He meets every need I have. He takes care of me. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. And even though I don't always understand why He tells me to do everything, I discover if I just simply do it, it all works out good because He has a plan and He has a purpose. What is the testimony of your life? What does the door of your house say to those who pass by? With our heads bowed and eyes closed as the pastor begins to come, I wonder, does your house, can you testify I'm saved by the blood? I wonder in your house, is the testimony given I'm submitted to the book? Are there areas that you're struggling with in your Christian walk? You haven't surrendered to God yet. Oh, others see that as they pass by and look at the house in which you live. And then I wonder, can people walk by you 
Look at your earthly tabernacle and say, that person must be happy to be a Christian. They've got a smile on their face. There's a spring in their step. There's a song on their lips. Oh, it must be a wonderful thing to be a Christian. Oh, that's what I want people to say when they pass by my house. I wonder how many people would be here and you would say, Preacher, in some area God spoke to my heart tonight. I want you to pray for me that I'll let my house give a clear testimony to those who pass by. You say, God spoke to me in some area tonight. Preacher, pray for me. Would you slip up your hand, put it right back down. Thank you, I see those hands. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to have a word of prayer. And then as we begin a hymn of invitation, if God has spoken to your heart, why don't you just come and kneel at an altar. Say, Lord, you know what you spoke to me about. I want to make that uh, improvements in that area. If you're here and you're not saved, your house is not a testimony that you've been saved by the blood. Come take the preacher by the hand. Say, I just need to get it settled. I need to know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. We'll have someone take the word of God, show you how I can know that tonight. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your wonderful word and for the lessons that it gives us. I pray that you would help us to make personal application to our own life. May we not think it's for my brother or my sister, but may we understand that it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. For those who slipped up their hand, I pray that you'd help them to have the courage to slip to an altar, do business with you, have your will and way in every heart and life. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.